For tuning in to the 544th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me in the show part of your day, whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Everett, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, the Apple platform you may be listening to me via. You can have a great podcast for all you guys today. Can have Nathan Swaffer on for Kansas 247 Sports. We are going to break down the final four. We just had the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. I'm going to talk about all those tidbits and nuggets going on with the NC2A basketball attorney. Now, before we get to that, I'm going to get my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, everything timestamped, you can click on the timestamp, and it'll send you whichever part of the podcast you most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter, at nighttrain underscore lane. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Stephen Daryl Lane. You'll find that I post two five-minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shopping lastly. If Apple or iTunes, we five stars a great review. And for some odd reason, right at the pot, then fry down we're now, folks. But just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Nathan Swaffer on the show. Cut up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fool your fandom and feel the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers risk-free bets up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. I know, great deal, folks. You can throw down in all the major action of baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Nathan with us for Kansas 247. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. One last weekend to go. So, this is one of the craziest tournaments, right? Uh, Final Four, FAU, San Diego State, UConn, and Miami. How did we get here? Well, that's a good question. I, I can't even remember what happened in the first round. It's like this has been one of the craziest and most entertaining tournaments I think we've ever had. And I think it suited the season pretty pretty well because throughout the season we didn't really know who may go and win the championship. We didn't know who the top teams were really. And this tournament has really epitomized what this season has been. It's been completely unpredictable, and that's been absolutely fantastic. This has been one of the most entertaining tournaments to watch, one of the most unpredictable, because you really just don't know what's going to happen next. And here we're sitting with three teams 
line to win their first championship. And UConn, who has been by far, in my opinion, the most dominant team in the tournament. So it's just incredible how how good this tournament has really been and how these teams have got here. I mean, people forget that FAU probably should have lost to Memphis in the first round. They went on a, a late basket. San Diego State, my goodness, what a journey they've had. Redemption from 2020 when they didn't get a chance. And they could have made it really far in that tournament. UConn starting to look like those UConn teams that we saw in the early 2010s that won those championships. And then Miami, what a comeback story they've been. Lose to KU in the Elite Eight last year, and now they're in the Final Four with a chance to get their first championship. And I'll be honest, I'd really like to see Jim Laranega at least get a chance to play for a championship. So this, this tournament's been awesome. This I know that the networks probably don't like this Final Four, but I think the rest of the public has just got to love the matchups that we've got left. So if I told you, out of the South region where Alabama was at, San Diego State would end up coming out, what would you have said, man? <laughs> well, considering I had San Diego State getting beat by Charleston in the first round, I probably would have said, you're absolutely insane. Because the path that they've had to go through to get to this point, you know, the first, their, you know, their first two games against Charleston and Furman, you, you can look at that and say, okay, whatever. But then they beat Alabama, who we pretty much agree was the best team this season. They beat Alabama, and then they beat a Creighton team that I expected to go to the Final Four, possibly even win the championship. Um, you know, forget the all of the controversy that happened at the end. That was an unbelievable game, and San Diego State has really risen to the occasion this year. I mentioned how good they were back in 2020, all those great teams in 2020 that never had a chance to go for a championship. People forget they were right there with the KU, the KUs, the Baylors, the Daytons. They were right there. They probably would have been dying for that third number one, or that fourth number one seed in 2020. And it, it's, it's kind of been nice to see some of these teams really get their redemption arcs in a sense. We haven't seen Daytons yet, but, you know, Baylor comes back the next year and wins the championship. KU last year wins the championship. Now San Diego State has a chance to make up for their 2020 season. So it, they, they're a fun team to watch. And I'm kind of disappointed that Creighton didn't make the Final Four because I was a personal pretty big fan of that Creighton team. But San Diego State is more than deserving of getting to where they are right now. And they're going to play F. And actually, I want to do this on the Alabama thing. Do you think it's kind of a good thing, though, that Alabama ended up losing, given their whole situation with Brandon Miller and everything that was kind of surrounding the program? That's probably wasn't the best look for them to be in a Final Four, have all that additional media coverage and be in a championship game? It, it's certainly not the best look for Alabama. And I think they'll probably be the first to admit that the way that they handled that was not good, just with the entire... You know, regardless of what Brandon Miller did, I think a lot of teams in that situation would have probably just said, we're not going to play him for the time being. That that may have changed if we got to the tournament and he would have come back. But, you know, the 
Thomas and they coached me the whole patting him down during the introductions and that one game and just it's not it's not been a good situation. I, I never root for a team to lose because of other circumstances. But it's you can't really not say that it wasn't a distraction because Brandon Miller played pretty badly throughout the tournament, like historically bad. I can't remember where I saw this, but had one of the low shooting percentages in tournament history with a minimum of some shots. But it obviously became a distraction, which is disappointing to see from a team of that high caliber because Alabama had a legitimate chance to not only make the Final Four but win the championship this year and to have all that outside distraction and people didn't really get to see them live up to that potential because of all that. So then you look at FAU's road to the Final Four. Obviously, they barely get by Memphis in the first round. Get an easy one in the second round, Fair Dickinson. It is crazy, right? FAU went farther than Purdue. The ninth seed come out of this region instead of Purdue. And we were talking about Purdue was the one really weak team coming into this tournament out of all the one seeds. And FAU takes that part of the bracket in the, in the East region. Mm-hmm. They, they took full advantage of it. I mean, I'll be honest, FAU is a team that I slept on all year. I knew I knew they were good, I knew they were talented, but I'll be honest, I have a very high mid-major, um, not a bias, because it's essentially the opposite of a bias. I don't really trust mid-major teams most of the time. I don't think they're fine-tuned to win in the tournament compared to other Power 5 teams. Why do you think that? Like, it's just always kind of been something with me like that. It, it's hard to explain, but to me, who you play says a lot about you. And when you look at somebody like KU, just, just for example, because I know KU, they play the toughest schedule in America. They have just an absolute clobber fest in the Big 12, night after night. They have one of the most difficult strength of schedules, and they were battle-tested, which is something that can benefit you in the tournament. I think we kind of saw that last year with KU, but it can also hurt you. Um, and for some reason, when you look at a lot of mid-major schedules, they're, they're just not as fine-tuned, I guess you could say, as a lot of Power 5 schedules. But... That being said, FAU has been, I think, by far the biggest surprise of the tournament. It's not even close. They proved that they were no pushover. You know, they lived up to the record. They lived up to why they were ranked at the end of the season. And you have to give them all the credit in the world with how resilient they have been. You know, looking at the Memphis win, that you know, final second basket to get past it. You know, if you and Harley Dickinson. That wasn't a pretty win, but guess what? They still won. And then, you know, they rattle off an incredibly impressive win against Tennessee in that Sweet 16, which I expected FAU to get absolutely demolished by Tennessee. Nope. And then they go up against an incredibly motivated K-State team with, let's just be honest, Marquis Noel was the best player in the tournament up to that point. There was nobody playing better than him 
and they beat him in this game. So the way that they have taken advantage of the path they've gotten and how they have lived up to their billing has been an incredible story. And I, I think FAU not only has a chance to play in the championship, they could very well pull off one of the biggest Cinderella stories we've ever seen. Who's the bigger Cinderella, FAU or San Diego State? Oh, it's FAU. I, I don't even think there's a question. San Diego State is more of a redemption story rather than a Cinderella because of the, you know, the 2020 stuff that I mentioned earlier. But, I mean, I have FAU losing in the first round. I thought Memphis had a chance to go all the way, at least to the Elite Eight, because that Memphis team is, was incredibly good. When they got past Memphis, that sent a message, I think. Because I, I don't, I don't believe many people had FAU really getting past Memphis, but especially not getting past what many people presumed that it would be Purdue, even though it wasn't. So the way they've they handled themselves, it, it's a pretty incredible Cinderella story. So how much do you think FAU's run? And San Diego State's run are based off of a little bit of luck, right? Like FAU, they were in the Purdue region, right? They got a 16 seed. They weren't in the toughest region, right? And FAU kind of benefited from that. And then San Diego State, right? Alabama's in there. We talked about Alabama. But uh, Brandon Miller wasn't really the same in the tournament. And that really made Alabama a different basketball team, right? If Brandon Miller's played that way all year long. Alabama probably wouldn't have been a number one overall seed. So how much do you think both of those runs by both of those teams have more so to do with they kind of just, yeah, struck lightning in a bottle, but they kind of had a lot of things break their way? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this about almost every team that makes the Final Four gets the championship or wins the championship. You don't get there with that and win a You just don't. And... That's part of the magic that is the NCAA tournament because anybody can win. I mean, you look at KU's run last year. They didn't play a one seed, and they played one two seed in Villanova in the Final Four, and that was a Justin Moore-less Villanova team. So, frankly, it was not even full strength, Villanova. And then they faced a number eight seed, North Carolina. That's an incredible amount of luck. And you're not even looking at the region they got last year, which they probably got the easiest region in the tournament, contradictory to what they got this year, which was by far the toughest region in the tournament. But to get where any team is in the Final Four or the championship, you have to have some luck. It's it's just nearly impossible in this modern era of the tournament to not have some type of luck to get to the Final Four or get to the championship because it's it's so difficult compared to what it was years ago because everybody's so good. Everybody can, frankly, literally anybody in that tournament can win. And without a little bit of luck, it's, it's nearly impossible to get there. I mean, you even look at some of the last national championships past Katie Baylor in the COVID season. Right there, you have to say that's a little bit of luck. They essentially didn't go through the full NCAA tournament experience. And 
you can't overlook that they had a giant break in the middle of the season where they missed five or six straight games because they had a COVID outbreak. As hurtful as that was, because they had that, that at the same time was also kind of beneficial because they got a pretty large break to recharge. Virginia, they got a lot of breaks in the Final Four championship game where they got the foul at the end against Auburn. Texas Tech, they got a lot of clutch shots that just happened to fall. Even Villanova in 2018, they didn't make a single three in their lead eight game against West Virginia and then proceed to make, I think, 16 or 17 against KU in the final four. So every single team, or I'll say almost every single team that makes the final four in this modern era of the tournament is there because they have a little bit of luck. I don't think that's denied at this rate. That doesn't mean they're not a good or a great team. But it's so incredibly difficult to make it far in the tournament these days without just a little bit of luck on your side. So let's go to Miami. And actually, was I mean, Miami, FAU, San Diego State, all three first Final Fours. And then you have the Blue Blood in UConn, who's, you know, kind of used to the big stage of that program. But Miami, how did Miami get here? Well, I think you got to look at the talent that they have on that team. Like we talked about this last week, how stacked they are, especially with their backcourt. You know, Jordan Miller, Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack. It's funny because Nigel Pack was probably, I argue, the top transfer last year. And Miami gets him, and then he kind of gets overlooked on that team because there's so many other great guards. So they they just played so tough, and there's a little bit of retention there for them as well. A lot of people, I feel like, forget that Miami made the Elite Eight last year, and they were leading KU at halftime. They were well on track to win that game until KU just turned into a buzzsaw in the second half and probably played their most complete half of basketball they had all season. And Jim Laranaga is an incredible coach. When he got George Mason to the Final Four, that was an incredible coaching job. And it, it kind of feels like it's time for Laranaga to at least play for a championship. I, I'll be honest, I'm a pretty big fan of Jim Laranaga. And I became a Jim Laranaga fan last year covering him in the NCAA tournament. The way he handled himself, the way he praised his players, and just the way he coached. I became a pretty big Jim Laranaga fan, and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm cheering for him to not to win the whole thing because I'd love to see him win. But you know, back to Miami as a whole, they've played so incredibly well in this tournament, and I guess let's go back to that luck factor against Texas. Blown lead. Best player at the time, but Dylan Dessou didn't play, so it's. You know, Miami has had an incredible path to get here, and it, it feels like it's maybe time for them to at least get some championship, if not win it. And then you have UConn, the ones who have been here before. How did UConn do it? Well, they somehow ran the gauntlet in by far the toughest region in the tournament, and frankly, probably one of the more tougher regions we've seen in the last few tournaments. But 
I look at UConn's results in this tournament, and they have just been an absolute buzzsaw. They've been the most impressive team. They have not had a single-digit margin of victory yet. Against Gonzaga, and, Arkansas. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's unbelievable. I mean, they just crush Iona, which was a very well-coached and very talented team with Rick Pitino. They run through VCU, or run through St. Mary's. My bad, I'm not sure why I said VCU. Guess because they played in the first round, but they run through St. Mary's. They torch Arkansas, and then to top it all off, they absolutely demolished Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. And it's just you look at how well they can play, and you have to wonder how on earth did UConn get a four seed? The way they're playing, they're playing like the, they've been the best team all year. They're playing like they should have been the number one overall seed. <laughs> yes! It's, it's unreal how well they have played in this tournament. I mean, you look at the region they were in, and they just ran through it without any trouble whatsoever. It's, it's been quite incredible how well they've played, to be honest. And, Give all the credit in the world to Dan Hurley because he is getting the most out of that team. So it's it's pretty incredible what UConn has done in this tournament. And to be honest, I, I you know I'd be pretty shocked if they don't win this race. But who knows? So interesting thing about UConn. Uh, and I feel like it's an underrated school when we talk about Blue Bloods, because when we talk about Blue Bloods, we talk about Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, uh, Alouville, uh, Kansas, right? But if you look at UConn, right? So Dan Hurley could win a national championship. Their last time they won a national championship was, I believe, like in 2015, 2016, or whatever, when... Uh, Shabazz Napier was there with Kevin Ollie, and then they won with Kimber Walker and those guys with Jim Calhoun. So typically, this will potentially, their last three national championships had three different head coaches. That's a tough thing to do. When we're looking at, for example, a Duke, and you're looking at them with John Shire, and you think they're chickens with their heads cut, cuts off, right? Like, Or how North Carolina, obviously, they went to the championship without Roy Williams, but then next year... A lot of expectations, they missed the tournament. Like, it's hard when you lose a Jim Calhoun or these top guys and they're able to have another guy come in and then have another guy come in the next uh, so-on uh, decade or so that has that kind of success. It's hard to sustain that with different coaches. It's, it's pretty impressive, to say the least, because, like you mentioned, they have. They have sustained that success. Now, you look at the early years of... Uh, Excuse me. You look at the early years of Dan Hurley's tenure with UConn, and frankly, it wasn't pretty. I mean, I think his first season, they had a losing record, if I remember right. They steadily improved, but it, it is pretty impressive to see how UConn has continued to build this team up, despite the fact they they have had three different head coaches in the last decade and a half. I mean, you look at a team like KU, who's only had one head coach for the last two decades, 
And they've only won two championships compared to the last three. You look at somebody like Kentucky, who's had Cal for getting close to, I think, a decade now, or somewhere close to that. They've only won one national championship with some of the most talented teams we have ever seen. So UConn, I, I always struggle to say, what is a blue blood these days? If we look at definitely the last you know, 25 years absolutely becomes a blue blood. No question about it. And you know, then you get to the argument of, well, did they win, like, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, like a, dude, like a Kentucky game, like a Kentucky game, whatever. Past that argument, UConn is cementing themselves as one of those major blue bloods. And if they win a championship this year, they're, they're right there with everybody else. And especially in the last 25 years, they won another championship you have to look at them and say they have been possibly the most, well, you know, maybe the most successful team in the last 20, 25 years just by sheer amount of championships. I'm trying to think if anybody else has won that many championships because I think Duke has only won three. North Carolina only has two. KU only has two. Kentucky has one. I mean, they, they've been right there. In the last 20, 25 years, as some of the most, as one of the most successful programs in the country, and they they do need to be start talking about like some of those other blue bloods, assuming they win. That doesn't mean they're not in conversation already, but another championship would take that status to another level. And it's showing that they're a program. There's a very good program with a very good history, tradition, a way of doing things that's not so dependent on. We have this elite Hall of Fame caliber coach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that you know, like you mentioned, that's contradictory to a lot of other teams, like a KU, like a Kentucky, like a Duke, like a North Carolina, even like a Villanova with Jay Wright. They've managed to make all the right decisions, seemingly, which is so difficult to do. Obviously, time will tell whether. Duke will be able to do that with John Shire, or whether North Carolina will do that with Hubert Davis. Same thing with Calvin Mentee at Villanova. And who knows? Other programs may be facing that same task in the next three to four years. I would not be surprised if we see Cal Perry and Bill Self possibly hang it up in the next three to four years. I mean, Louisville hasn't been the same without Patino. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people forget about Louisville and... Right, I think rightfully so. Some people forget about Louisville because I would assume a lot of Louisville fans want to forget at least this past season. But yeah, I mean Louisville's right there as well. You can't can't overlook that. So it it speaks to how well UConn has handled these situations over the past fifteen years, and they deserve all the credit in the world for it. So, who do you have winning between UConn and Miami? Ooh, this is tough. As much as I would like Miami to win, it's kind of hard to pick against UConn right now with just how well they played. And this feels like one of one of those patented UConn national championship runs that we saw in the early 2010s. So, I have UConn winning that game. However, it's very possible. Miami wins this. I mean, when you get to the Final Four, 
who knows? Truly anything can happen because, in my opinion, the Final Four is a whole new tournament compared to the rest, you know, round of 64 through the Elite Eight. The Final Four is a whole new tournament because now all the pressure's off these teams, essentially. This is something that has stuck with me last year that Bill Self said when Katie made the Final Four. All the pressure's off now. The pressure to get to the Final Four is bigger than once you're there, pressure to win the championship. These teams are going to play loose. They're going to play well. They're going to play with a lot of passion and heart and motivation. And I think that that way, that works to Miami's advantage, to be honest. We saw them play tight at times, especially against Texas. I mean, at halftime, I didn't think Miami had any chance of winning that game, and they played a lot looser in the second half, and they just kind of strung everything together. So, I like UConn to win this game. But frankly, I would love if Miami won it and Jim Lerner gets his chance to win the championship. But I do have to go with UConn just because of how well they've handled themselves this tournament so far. And then between San Diego State and FAU, who you got? Mm. This this is a bigger toss-up, um, for sure, because these are two teams that not many people expected to be here. Um but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with San Diego State because I think they're playing with a little extra chip on their shoulder. To be honest, I mean I don't think they've explicitly mentioned it, but I look back to last year with KU, who specifically said we're trying to essentially avenge the lost cause in 2020 because we didn't get the chance to go win championship that year. And I think even if San Diego State has not mentioned it, that's got to be in the back of their head a little bit. Like, we're trying to make up for it this year. And, and I like the way they played. I like the way that they fought through a lot of adversity. I like the way that they've played teams so far. What, what so seed gonna, were San Diego State that year? What's that? What seed was San Diego State that year? They probably would have been a one seed. They were right on that edge because at, if, at that point in the time, right before they would have selected, Katie Baylor and Dayton were pretty much all guaranteed number one seeds. And then right behind them, I think, was San Diego State. So they probably would have been that fourth number one seed. And they were right there with Dayton, Baylor, and Katie. I mean, those were the four best teams all season long, and they proved it. Whether they would have gone all the way or not is a whole other question, but they never even got the chance. And I think that's playing on this a little bit, whether they want to admit it or not. So I will, I will go with San Diego State, but it'd be a hell of a story if FAU pulls it out. And then that means San Diego State versus UConn. Who you got in that matchup? Time to go against UConn. <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned it a little earlier that I'd be shocked if UConn doesn't go and win this championship at this rate. It, it feels, it just feels like a patented UConn run. To Who has the best year. chance to beat UConn? 
say, mm, I don't know. I really don't know because, oh, that's so tough. I think everybody's pretty much got an equal chance to be UConn at this rate. So 10% but, chance for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say so. I think anybody can beat UConn, but you're going to have to essentially play a perfect game if you're going to beat them at this rate because they have proven they are the big dog in this tournament. And for them not to be favored at this rate, and to not pick them, in my opinion, would be foolish. Just because of their track record so far. If they had come out of another region in this tournament with the same results, I probably would be a little less high on them. But the way they just stormed through the West cannot be overlooked and cannot be just thrown aside because they killed everybody. Without it would seem like they didn't even try half the time. And so I, I like UConn. I like UConn to win this tournament and I think I think they're gonna they're gonna vault themselves into the upper echelon of college basketball programs. When was the game for you when you realized UConn was like for real, like they're they, they they're the favorites now. When was that game for you? Oh, it was Gonzaga. I, I mentioned last week that I expected Arkansas to have an off game against UConn because that's the way they have been also. So when they when they got trounced, I wasn't surprised to say the least. When they went and just embarrassed Gonzaga, that's kind of when I realized, oh, okay, this this is for real. Because when Gonzaga beat UCLA and Drew Timmy had like 40 points or something, whatever, I personally thought Gonzaga might actually do it this year. And then they run into UConn and just fall off a cliff. Not because they played bad, but because UConn is truly that well-rounded. Just watching that dismantling. I can't remember a tournament game, especially an Elite Eight game like that last year. Well, okay, so I'll compare it to this. What UConn did to Gonzaga in the entirety of that Elite Eight game is what KU did to Miami in the second half of their Elite Eight game last year. Miami got nothing going, and KU played as well as they could. UConn did that to Gonzaga for 40 full minutes this time. And just watching them just continue to go at it Oh, I mean, it's just like, UConn is the real deal. And they should be. And, it, you know, it's just watching that game. Like, How did they get a full seed again? Because they've been great all year. And it just feels like they, they never really felt like that. Yeah, they're going to win. They're going to win a championship this year. And I didn't feel that until I watched them in this tournament. They have been so incredibly good. And it feels like this this is it for them. They're gonna win it again this year. Nathan, I don't thank you for coming to the show, man. I appreciate it. And once That's again, I want to thank Nathan for coming to the show and I wanna thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The five hundred forty fourth episode of 
Barbershop Sports Talk.